This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Good morning. Miss McHugh. <laughs> I'm sure you'll forgive me just this once. Great to see you this morning. Wonderful to see you. And uh, we, we are, I mean, we are really looking forward to the baptisms. The fact that people decide that they want to follow Jesus, that they decide that they are going to be making this, uh, taking this step of devotion is just a wonderful thing. So I love to be able to share in that. So thanks for being here to, to see that. And uh, we've got a series right now called Devoted. And uh, we, we're talking about what that actually means to be de- devoted followers of Jesus. What does it look like if we're somebody that really is a Christian who loves God, who follows God? And in, in that, we're looking at some of the values that we have as a church community. And uh, they're all about community. And what I want to talk about today is about being a real, relational community. And we'll come back to that in just a moment, but there's a scripture that's really been impacting me over the last uh, few weeks, and it's Romans 12, verse 9. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And that's such a, a key thought that, you know, as Christians, we are called, as God has loved us, and we've experienced God's love, then there we are then required or expected to love other people just like God loves us. So I'm, 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 it's a wonderful idea. It's a wonderful thought. It's a great concept. But it's sometimes it's a little bit harder to live out than it is to agree with in your head. So we're going to look at how the Bible helps us to do this, to live for other people, to love people, to really love them, not just uh, look like we do. So this is, loving people is essential In a few moments, people will be declaring their faith in God, and we love that we can be part of that. We love that we can say, yeah, we love these guys, we're glad that they're taking this step. So, there's something that happens when we love God and experience God's love for ourselves, that we have an affection and a love for other people. I think it's a natural expression of the love of God in us that we love other people. They may be easy to get on with some of them, some of them may be not quite so easy, and it's always other people. It's never me. It's, you know, it's always those, those other people that are a bit difficult to get on with. But together, if we work together, we can get on really well and love people, not really love people, not just pretend. And the value of being a re- relational community speaks into that. It's the kind of community we are, the kind of community we are becoming, and the kind of community we always want to be. It says this, a relational community, it says this, people are our priority. The church is a living community, not a building event or style. So that's what it is all about. People are our priority. Now that's, that's one thing to say, it's quite another to do. And so we need to test our attitude. We need to test our actions all the time and say, is this actually about me or is it about other people? And if we can come to a point where we say, yes, God, it is about other people. It is about the church being a living community, not a building event or a style. Yes, we have a building. Obviously, you can see that if you're really observant. You will have noticed that this morning, that we have a building. And uh, 
we have, an, we have an event, we're here at the event, and we have a definite deliberate style. So we do all of those things, but we keep in mind all the time that it's actually mostly about people, because people are our priority. It's not, uh, you might say, well, you know, I, I, I want to be part, but I, I don't quite feel part, and I don't feel like you can, I can quite connect it. I've been coming a while, but I don't really feel part of the community, part of the family. Stick with it. We'll try and help you. Let us know. We'll try and connect you with people. We'll try and suggest ways in which you can become more uh, involved because we want you to feel that this is your family, this is your community, and this is something that you can be part of. It's not exclusive, it's inclusive, and we want you to be drawn into community in God's community. So what should a relational community look like, and how do you maintain a great relational community? Two reasonable questions, and the good thing is the Bible is written to real people in real situations, and it's as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. So the Bible speaks into this whole idea and gives us some, uh, some help, some instruction, and some advice. I'm going to read a few verses from a letter that Paul wrote to a local church, a bit like this one, 2,000 years ago, a bit like this one, all sorts of different people in that church community. God wrote this at this, ta- at this time, and this is what it says. He says this, If you have any, in Philippians 2, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. Well, that'll be easy then. That's that sorted. We just have to put everyone else first and not be bothered about our own experience or our own current situation. Simple. Simple. Well, there's a bit more to it and it needs a bit of work because the Bible's clear that we don't have to work to achieve unity. We already have unity. The Bible's clear that we are united in Christ. It's there if you have an encouragement from being united with Christ. So when we become a Christian, we become part of the family. We are united together with Christ, young, old, uh, whatever our background, whatever, wherever we come from. Yeah, that. We are part of a family and uh, we are joined together. So in Christ, we are a community. In Christ, we are a family. In Christ, we belong to him and we belong to each other. In Christ, in spite of our differences, we are united. So we have unity. And what the, what is speaking into this here to us, what Paul's saying to us here, and as he does right through the book of Philippians, what he's saying is, yes, we are united in Christ, but we have to keep working at it. We're united, but we have to keep making sure that we don't allow anything to happen between us, one-to-one or whatever, that breaks this unity. Because we need unity, because we can achieve far more together than we can on our own. We can achieve more 
uh, if we see things the same and decided, well, we're going to put, put aside some of our differences and we're going to put God first and his kingdom first and together, working together, we can achieve far more united than we can disunited. Unity, all Christians, devoted followers of Jesus, we are united in Christ. So if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are united with me whether you like it or not. Sorry to break that to you. You're united with some people who you see sitting near about. You might not look anything like you, but you are united. Because the Bible says that we are united in Christ. And I love the diversity that comes in church community where we have all sorts of different ages, colors, backgrounds, whatever. The word I I couldn't pronounce. All of that going on. It's wonderful that we can see that because that's what community looks like. And community, a church community should reflect the community, the diverseness of the diversity of the community we are part of. And this is a great example if we look around that that happens. So all Christians, we are united. We don't have to work to create community, we are, uh, uni- unity rather. We already have it. We just keep working, putting others first before ourselves so that we maintain the unity that God has given to us. We share what we've received, you know, the love we've received from God, God's compassion, the comfort that we've received from God, all of these things that we have, the the knowledge of saying, God, you love me unconditionally. God, you love me even when I mess up. God, you love me even when I have a bad attitude. God, you love me even when I say things I I wish I hadn't said. You still love me. Now, on receiving that sort of love, we are then able to say, yes, we are united in Christ. Will you sit down please, mate. Thank you. That will be helpful. So, we are united in Christ. That's what we are in Christ. As God is devoted to us, we are devoted to him, and then we get to be devoted to other people. Working together, sharing our problems, sharing our challenges, encouraging each other through the struggles and the testing that we will all go through sooner or later. Yes, even Christians, we're going to go through that. We're all struggling, with, may struggle at different times with different things, but together in community, united together in that relationship, one with another, God can help us. So everybody wants harmonious relationships. Everyone wants great friends. Everyone wants friends who, who still have time for you, even when you're being a bit of a pain. Everyone wants friends who still have time for us, even when, you know, things are not going quite as well. Because if you've got a mate who's just with you in the good times, he, he's the thing. They're not really a friend. But people who really are friends and united in Christ and community, ups and downs, good, bad, indifferent, we stick together. But, you know, we, we start relationships expecting them to go well. We start relationships expecting things to work really well. It's like getting married. And uh, be careful what you say right now, Jeff. But, you know, when you get married, you have this perfect person who's absolutely ideal. You're head over heels in love. And uh, this person's perfect. What could possibly go wrong? But then when you live with somebody, you find, possibly, and I'm not speaking from personal experience, obviously, but you find they have one or two issues. You find that they have have things where they need a bit of help with. You find that, you know, even when you give a bit of help, they're still not 
sorting it out. And then they think, well, what, what went wrong here? This was supposed to be easy. We're in love. It's supposed to be amazing. But we understand that if we work at it in a relationship, in a marriage, we can work most things out. If we selflessly give ourselves to the other person, not to receive something in return, but just because we, want, we love them so much, we find that we build a great marriage if we are selfless, if we give ourselves. It's a bit like, it's also with your children. You know, when, you, when you're a parent, those of you who have parents, grandparents, carers, and, and, and have adopted children, and so on, you know that you just want a great relationship with your kids. And when they're young, it's going great. I mean, you are, you are amazing to your small children. You're absolutely fantastic. But then something happens when puberty hits and teenage stuff kicks in. You think, I, what went wrong here? You know, uh, we had a great relationship. We never, you know, I, I had the answer to everything. I could fix everything. I could sort everything. My advice was always right on the nail. And then when it comes to teenagers, you think, what actually happened there in our relationship? And of course, we make a joke, but we work through it. And we come out the other end with an even better relationship if we invest in our children, we invest in our family. And it can be the same in church. You know, when we first joined, it's wonderful. You know, the pastor's good looking, everything's up. Just checking you're awake. It's all right, I've got mirrors. We have mirrors in our house. That was a joke. Everything's great. But then there are the odd person, one or two, who are a bit difficult, say something we didn't want to hear, challenges in an area we didn't want to be challenged. But actually, this matters, so we work it out. To be united, it actually matters that we are together and we can work it out. We want harmony in our church, we want great relationships, and it's easier for me to speak about unity when we have it. Because this is a great church community, relational community. This is a great group of people who time after time after time through challenges have stuck together, supported each other, been there for each other. That's what I see when I think about you and me, this church community. That's what the reality is. And if we keep working at it, it will continue to be and be even, even, even better. A diverse group of people. Now, when Paul was writing this letter to the church in Philippi, they were a diverse group of people. We see that the first three people that joined the church, the first three converts, couldn't be more different. There was a well-educated, very successful businesswoman. There was a career soldier, a Roman soldier. There was a former slave girl who'd been into the occult. Now, you can just imagine, they wouldn't normally join a club. Those three people wouldn't normally be together. And that's what happens in church. We're all sorts of people. That's a strength, not a weakness. We, put, we come together with our apparent differences, but we are united in Christ. And it's through that, our real sense of purpose and knowledge of God, that it makes the differences. Paul knew there were differences in the church. If you read through the, the, the book, you, you get a couple of chapters later, you see that Paul finds a situation where... There are two people who've fallen out, and he speaks directly into that situation. He's basically saying, will you just grow up and sort it out? It's fundamentally what he's saying. And if we can, if we want to, we can come to uh, agreement on things. Differences, but we can work it out. The Bible written to real people in a real situation, in a real environment, with real challenges, just like we have. Let me read 
a couple of those verses, Paul says, look, you're doing great. But he says, verse 2, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. The key to good relationships, even great relationships, is to put other people first. Now, that is completely countercultural. Because people say in our world, look after number one. Look after yourself. Don't let anyone put on you. Make sure that you look after yourself and your family. Now, I'm all for looking after ourselves and our families. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. But it's countercultural to say we're actually going to put other people first. It's not my uh, ideal. It's, it's, it's what benefits other people. And I think that's, that's clearly demonstrated when we talk about church. Because we come together, all sorts of different people, some things we like, some things not so much. But we actually put the differences to one side so that we can come together in what we agree with, God's kingdom, reaching people, seeing people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. We put all of this to one side so we know what, how we can reach people. That is the key to great relationships. We concentrate on what unites us, not our differences. We come together week by week to worship God because He loves us and we love Him. That unites us. And we demonstrate in many ways that a diverse group of people can be united in a relational community called the church. It's quite incredible what happens when we come together. I can give you examples of this that are unrefuted, that you cannot debate. We have Burnley Football Club season ticket holders, Blackburn Rovers season ticket holders in the same room worshipping together. Now, if that's not a miracle, what could be? So if that can work, what cannot work? It absolutely works incredibly because... In all seriousness, we put together, we come together with the things that unite us, not the things that could potentially divert, divert us, bring diversity. We've all worked in a team where one person seem, doesn't seem to be a team player, where one person seems to be about their own interests and trying to get to a point where they have what can do what they want to do. Years ago, um, and I must have a good memory, but when I played football occasionally, it was not something I was ever any good at, but we, we had some church football teams, and uh, we used to play some other churches. They were called friendlies, but those two things, football and friendly, those two don't really go together, those two words. And uh, there was one particular person, who will be nameless, who we knew that if we passed the ball to him, we'd never see it again. Because it was about what he could then do. It wasn't about the team. And uh, in that situation, who knows, that's not a team player. And so we have to say, you know, there are times when, okay, things are not quite how I would do them, but I'm in this team. And I'm going to be a team player. And I'm going to absolutely make it work because we are a united community. United in Christ, a united community. So Paul lists uh, some of the things there that absolutely uh, bring us together. First of all, he says, we're united by faith. It's our faith in God that unites us. 
We don't come to, that's why most of us meet on a Sunday, because we have a faith in God. And it's that faith in God that unites us. And the, the Bible tells us when we have, when, when, when we are like today, they're being baptized into one body by one spirit. We share the same spirit. When we become Christians, the Holy Spirit uh, lives in us and that unites us with other people. It's our faith in God, first and foremost, that unites us. It's the depth and the quality and the strength of our faith that then flows out to everything else we do. We're not just a group of people who want to do good in the community. Absolutely we want to do good in communities across East Lancashire. We're involved in loads of different kinds of things, but we need to understand that starts with our faith. We're united together with our faith in God. The instant we believe in Christ, we are united with other Christians. It's about love. Paul talks there about having the same love. We have experienced God's love, and that genuine concern and love for other people flows out of that, because when we experience God's love, as I've already said, I believe it's a natural thing to then love other people. Genuine love for others is not dependent on their response. When I've talked to people about Jesus over the years, not everyone says that I was just waiting for somebody to tell me about that. Now, you may have had those experiences. I have had occasionally. But most of the time, people kind of might be closed up to wanting to hear the message of love of the love of God. But they see the love of God in how we are with them. They see the love of God of what we try to do for them. We see that they see the love in God in our actions, in our attitudes, over and above what uh, the words that we speak. You know, the Bible goes a long way with this, and, and it's not on the screen, but I'll read this to you. 1 John 4.20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. Whoa. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? Pretty blatant, pretty black and white, pretty clear, very, very clear, that is, that if we really love God, we will love other people. And so we're united in our love for people, the compassion we have received from God. We are united in purpose. Our purpose is to reach people with the good news about Jesus. That's the purpose of Life Church. We want to reach, for 2,000 years, the church has been responsible for passing on the message of Jesus. Many different churches around the world, in this area, right across the globe, many, many different churches over 2,000 years have been responsible to pass on the message. And because we are still here today, tells me that we've been faithful to what God has called us to do. But now our generation and generations to come, we're still responsible for passing on that message. We are united in purpose. He talks about working together with one purpose. The former president of the United States, Harry S. Truman, said, it's amazing what you can accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. And it's absolutely true in church, but actually, I put a rider to that. It's amazing what we can achieve if we make sure God gets the credit. Not me, not you, but together, we're working together with the same purpose. Selflessness, putting the interests of others first. Not selfishness, me first, but other first. It's essential to build a great relationship, to be one in spirit. Humility. 
humility is, is something we have to be aware of. Sometimes we're a bit, we're a bit uh, reticent to talk about humility because if I say, look at how humble I am, then I disqualify myself for being humble. But we need to understand what humility absolutely looks like. Humility doesn't, doesn't look like this. Humility doesn't mean you can't look at someone in the face. Humility doesn't mean that you live a closed, quiet, small life. Humility means you live a big, expansive life, but you care about people and you put others first. Putting others before yourself. Not looking for what you can achieve. Not vain conceit and ambition, as, as, as uh, Paul puts it here. Not selfish ambition, but humility. It's not about me. It's about others. And this is such a great significant key to great relationships in church community. It's about putting others first before ourselves. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. We are a relational community. People are our priority. What does a living community look like? What, what, what does that look like? Well, look around. And so we meet together on a Sunday and we meet together on, on Mondays and Thursdays in small groups and we meet together in, in the things we do outside of this, of this uh, building, in, in community and in, in, in different things we're seeking to do. We meet together to encourage one another. We meet together as mates and, and have a brew together and just challenge each other and, and become accountable to each other. That's what a living community looks like. So don't exclude yourself and say, I'm okay on my own. I can sort it out. No, say no. I want to be part of this. I want to be relational. I want to make friends. But the best, the way to make friends is to be one. You know, sometimes you say, no one ever sits next to me. Well, sit, you sit next to somebody. No one ever talks to me. You also have a tongue. You speak to someone. And in time, that's what works. That's what builds community. Not just us keeping ourselves and saying, right, go, come on, come and talk to me. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. This works. Here I am. I want to talk to you. I want to be in your life if you want me to. I want to encourage you. I want to bless you. I want, I want to just encourage you to be the best person you can possibly be in God. We are devoted to God. We are devoted to each other. We are committed one to another. We are not in any way looking to ourselves. It's about humility. Be devoted to each other in a relational community. Good relationships don't just happen by accident. You've got to work on them. We know that. In, if you think about the relationships we have, we have to work at it. Sometimes we have to bite our lip. Sometimes we have to uh, listen more than we speak. Sometimes we have to just let things go so we can, the main thing becomes the main thing. Sometimes we, we, we just have to say, God, can you help me with this, with this person? God, can you help me with the situation? And he absolutely will if we are humble in that, in that way. Good relationships don't happen by accident. Sometimes good relationships can be a bit inconvenient. I've never achieved anything in life which hasn't called for a level of inconvenience to get there. Those of you who've studied for exams and uh, GCSEs and, uh, and uh, A-levels and degrees and so on, it... There was a large element of inconvenience when you were doing that. Would have rather be out with your mates playing, playing football. You would have preferred to do 
you had a busy life, but you'd set aside some time to study, whatever that is. And being in relationship with people can be at times inconvenient. But hey, we're committed to this because we're committed to God and we're committed to each other. We are devoted to great relationships. It all starts with our relationship with Jesus. That's where it starts. And the stronger that relationship is, that begins to flow out to other people. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.